0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast with me, Phil Ladies and Sid Lowe. We are recording on a Sunday. Because of logistical reasons, we've basically got a very, very, very busy week coming up with two Spanish sides playing two English sides in the Champions League. It means that. Sydney and me are going to be uh, very busy for the next few days. So uh, we're recording today on a Sunday, which means, sorry guys, we're not going to get to do any analysis of Elche against Osasuna. I'm sorry. That's being played today uh, alongside Granada, Celta, Rio, Royal Sociedad and Barca, Mallorca. But we have had five matches so far. And the headline from those five matches is that Real Madrid are champions of Spain for the 35th time. They did it in style, beating... Espanyol by four goals to nil, they only needed a point at the Bonabao to lift the uh, title, but in the end uh, they did it, as we said, in style. Uh, Other uh, results from match day, before I go, hello Sydney, hello, Hello, I haven't even said hello, I haven't even said hello, I was getting right into the swing of things without (laughs) even saying hello. How rude, are you alright? I'm alright, thank you, how are you? I'm all right. are you looking forward to our busy week? Uh,
1: Yes, I am. In the I'm always I always look forward to these things, but then obviously it does come with that slight edge of uh, oh god, <laughs> here we go.
0: <laughs> yes. So as I said, match day thirty four on Friday night we saw the two sides who have drawn the most number of matches in La Liga this season Play out a 1-1 draw at the Estadio Ramon Sánchez-Pichuán with Sevilla and Cadiz finishing 1-1. Then Alaves picked up a massive win against Villarreal at 2-1 on Saturday before Real Madrid beat Espanyol 4-0. The Valencia derby ended 1-1 between Valencia and Levante. Uh, Levante, six points from safety, bottom of the table, not looking good for them. And a really bad result for Atletico Madrid. They were beaten 2-0 at San Mames by by Athletic Club, who moved just a point behind Villarreal, who are seventh. Seventh is almost certainly going to get European football because Betis won the cup. Uh, So seventh, something to play for there, and Athletic moved to within a point of seventh. But Atleti, boy, oh boy, uh, they're in a bit of trouble. They've got some difficult games left. They're only uh, one point clear of Betis if Betis win on Monday night. So it could be a very, very difficult run-in for Diego Simeone's men. Anyway. That's what's happened uh, so far this weekend. Uh, we're going to have a Q&A pod answering all your questions, which is going to be out on Tuesday. And maybe we'll also round up the rest of the weekend's games as well. We're going to have a bonus pod on Thursday talking Villarreal, Liverpool and Real Madrid, Manchester City and the Champions League. Plus coming up soon, we'll have a new episode of TSFP Presents at the Games which is our guide to visiting and watching football around Spain. Join us, patreon.com forward slash TSFP. It's only €4 a month. Loads of good quality Spanish content there. Sydney, I've talked far too much here. Real Madrid are champions and they deserved it.
1: Yes. Um, And there are lots and lots of different ways to look at the the manner in which they won the league. And, And one of them is to talk about the fact that this was with five games to go. Only three times before have they ever wrapped up a league as early. Um, the last one was lost, in
0: 1990.
1: Yeah, they, they they lost only three times all season. You look at when they lost: week eight, week twenty, and week twenty-nine. So every time they lost, they then went on a run of nine, ten games before before losing again. It never really felt like it was ever going to slip out of their hands. On the two or three occasions over the course of the season, you thought, okay, this is a moment now which maybe opens the title race up, maybe brings other teams in. And every time you got to one of those moments. Real Madrid won and 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 took a step forward. Obviously, the most recent of those was uh, was a couple of weeks ago in Seville, and I think in a way that was that was almost the definition of the season, wasn't it? That we were we were looking at the the setup of those results and the fact that there was a midweek game um, coming up. There was the fact that Barcelona had the game in hand. You think if Real Madrid go to Sevilla and lose, we could be in a situation if the results fall. That Real Madrid, uh, I think we'd worked it out. I can't remember exactly what the figure was. I think we'd worked it out that there could be only one point clear at that point. Instead, they win, and all of a sudden it's like, well, that's it. It's gone. The title's gone. Um, and then, of course, Barcelona then went and lost twice, and, and or oh, sorry, dropped points twice. And, and so you're in a position where that's it done. Sevilla weren't able to pick up the points. Atletico's Madrid's results have been poor. But I think all the way through the season, Real Madrid had been. I mean, this is the most simple analysis of all, but they've just been better than everybody else. And it's true that we've analysed them a lot this year and worked out, and, and tried to work out just how good they are and whether they really are a, a brilliant team or not. But they were significantly better than the other teams all the way through the season with, I would say, three outstanding, really outstanding players. Now, there's more than three outstanding players at Real Madrid, but three really, really outstanding players all the way through the season who are, of course, Benzema, Vinicius and Courtois, who've been absolutely hmm. brilliant.
0: It's a simple analysis, isn't it, to say that if you've got a brilliant front two and a brilliant goalkeeper, the chances are you, you're going to do pretty well in the, in the league. There's more to it than that. But I think those three, as you said, have been the yeah. key players. And the more, to it, the more
1: to it than that is that the rest of the team is also very good. I mean, if you have those three <laughs> and the rest of the team's terrible, then maybe it's not enough. But the rest of the team is also very good. Now, it's true that we've had moments this season where we've not been entirely sure, where we've not been entirely convinced you looked at their results. I was looking at this yesterday, by the way, for example, trying to, going through the results and trying to decide which is the best performance from Real Madrid over the course of the season. And, and curiously enough, the one that I was probably the most impressed with was away at Real Sociedad. And actually, in that game, they, they they had to play without Benzema. That
0: was without Benzema. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Real are top of the top of the table then.
1: Well, that's the thing. I've got a feeling Real Sociedad were either top or could have been top if they'd won it. Eh? Uh, and and certainly, they were a team at that point who hadn't lost at home, who weren't mm-hmm. conceding goals. You know, they they conceded at that stage, something like three or four all season, and Madrid went and scored twice. Uh, Vinicius really took on responsibility without Ben Tamar There's other performances that stand out The second half against Sevilla a few weeks ago Was, was very, very good indeed The first half was terrible, by the way but The <laughs> second half was very, very good indeed um, Of course, they went to the first Clasico and beat Barcelona And if it wasn't a particularly sparkling performance It was a performance that said Look, they're just better than Barcelona yeah. and, and it felt like that for quite a lot of this season That this was yeah. a team that was just a bit better than everybody else
0: it was a team that also found a way to win matches when they weren't playing particularly well. You mentioned that yes. Sevilla game when they were two nil down, abysmal in the first half, and they managed to come back and win three two. There were there were other matches that perhaps sort of maybe got lost in the memory, but remember Sevilla. Well, the other Sevilla, the one, other Sevilla one, yeah, the at Sevilla home.
1: one at the Bernabeu when when Sevilla I thought were brilliant for seventy five minutes and Real Madrid found a way through and, and Vinicius scores that brilliant goal right at the very end and and there was something about Madrid that you just always felt they. They had some. If they weren't playing well, they had somewhere else to go, or they had something else to come. Mm. Which which other teams you didn't feel that with? Mm.
0: Uh, we said we weren't sure if this is a, a brilliant Real Madrid side. They are also in the semi-finals of the Champions League and one exactly. day away from the from from the final. So they're not terrible. Uh, we, we we know that.
1: No, no, and, and I think it's really important that, that that we because I, you know, first of all, any team that wins the league deserves to win the league. That's the nature of a league title. It's different to cup competitions. The second thing is that they've won the league with five games to spare, um, and and so any analysis or any doubts that we have about the way that the season's out four has games to, to be, spare. sorry, four games yeah. to spare now. Obviously, they won it. Sorry, they won it with the fifth. Yeah, um, any 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 doubts about that have to be kind of put in that context. This is a really pretty seriously impressive way to win a league title.
0: They're 17 points clear at the top of the table as well, so it is is, uh, pretty impressive, as you say. Uh, Shall we talk about Carlo Ancelotti, the only manager to win all five of Europe's big leagues? There is a caveat to that, and he is... Been managing for basically 30 years and those are the only five leagues that he's league titles that he's won one won one in each country and and, and no more I mean it's, it's it's an extraordinary record but anyway perhaps that's nitpicking to suggest that that's not particularly impressive because it is impressive what he's done and it's also impressive because he was not first choice to be Real Madrid manager last summer, not by a long, long, long way. And he's come in and he's, and he's won the title at Canter.
1: He wasn't just not first choice. He wasn't a choice. He, he wasn't an idea. And in fairness to both him and to Real Madrid, he wasn't an idea because there was no perception that he was even on the market until a conversation about something else rose, rose this possibility. And, and, and there was this kind of light bulb moment. Of, Wait, so you could come here? Oh, great. And, and that is essentially how it happened. Um, Ancelotti, it's is very interesting because you, you, you say that about the, the league titles and, and you, you know, I know yesterday has slightly changed this. But let's, let's take yesterday's title out of the equation or just for the sake of my argument, I realise I'm, I'm now butchering the facts to try and help the argument. But let me do it anyway. Or let's assume that they do win this year's Champions League. He would have won only one Champions League less than he's won league titles, (laughs) which is an extraordinary record. And it is true. And certainly in his time in Italy, there there was a a, a big feeling of this, that there is an idea that he's not a league manager. He's not a manager that's, that, that kind of makes a team relentless and wins the league because they just keep winning every week and they, they keep everyone else at arms bay or maybe they're able to produce a brilliant title running. There's this idea that he's a moments manager rather than a kind of week after week manager. Now, there are lots of reasons for that. And I actually think one of them is, is, is Ancelotti himself. Ancelotti doesn't sell himself in a way that a lot of managers do. He doesn't big himself up. He doesn't talk about himself. And I actually think that has possibly served... A little bit maybe like with Zidane, and we were talking about this last week. This idea that why why don't we think Zidane's a great coach? And in part, it's because Zidane never projects himself as a great coach. And I think there's an element of that even with Ancelotti, despite everything he's won. Um, and and I think there there are a couple of other things. That's one of them. Uh, the other the other one, of course, is that he's been at teams with very very good players, and so it's always been easy to say, well, look, his. Successes about his players, and again, one of the reasons why it's been easy to come to that conclusion is because he makes the point of making the success about his players, which, by the way, is one of the reasons why he's successful because he empathizes with players I think better than just about any other coach. Players really, really like him, players really warm to him, players um, want to play for him. Now, obviously, that's not always of itself sufficient in certain some scenarios, but he, with really good players. He gets things out of them. And bear in mind, Look, I was looking at this for for something I had to do for Spanish radio, actually. I was looking at the 2010 title that he won with Chelsea. And I, I saw very significant parallels to this Real Madrid title. He turns up at a team that Mourinho had left, I think, three or four years earlier. That hadn't won the league in, in the three or four in, intervening years. The, at the start of the season, there was a feeling that, yeah, this is a team that's got some good players in it. But they're all a bit old now. They're all, they're all kind of not quite right and that there's a sort of a sense that it just sort of isn't really there isn't really a sense of kind of dynamism about it and then Ancelotti comes in listens to his players changes the formation to suit them because he he starts with what's basically a 4231 and ends up with what's essentially a 433 to try and make those players comfortable makes those players feel like they are kind of I don't know, revived. Like, they are important again. And that team goes on and wins the league by... On the final day, admittedly, because they had to beat Wigan 8-0 on the final day. But with 103 goals, which was a, a record at the time. And just with this kind of sense that, right, let's get the best album to the extent that even Drogba is a top scorer. So you get this this, this kind of... You get this kind of idea, that this forward, that maybe there were some doubts about. Although maybe it's not fair to suggest there were doubts about Benzema after last season, because he was brilliant last season as well. But the, you, you kind of get this thing where the old guard is made to feel important again, put in good physical condition and they win the league uh, and, and they deservedly win the league.
0: Uh, you mentioned the physical condition. Perhaps it's not a coincidence that Antonio Pintus was brought back uh, last summer. The physical trainer who first came to the club uh, under Zinedine Zidane came back last summer. And I've got a lot of Real Madrid fans, uh, friends who were, who were saying, oh, my God, look at what Ancelotti's doing. He's not rotating. They're going to be absolutely destroyed come March. Oh, my goodness. And that hasn't happened and they haven't had, okay, they can be a little bit tired, we've seen them be a little bit sluggish, but we haven't seen the number of injuries that we've seen in previous season and we haven't seen the, the drop off in performances and I don't think it's a coincidence that Pintus is involved as well.
1: Well, I mean, and the decision to bring Antonio Pintus in was one actually the club had taken before they brought in Ancelotti. That there was this idea that, that they needed a, a physically better prepared team regardless of who the manager was going to be. When the idea was put to Ancelotti during the conversations when he came in as manager in the summer, he welcomed it and he was very, very pleased with that, with that idea. That was one part, if you like, of his coaching staff that, that he didn't necessarily have. Um, and the, the squad has been done a really, really good job of, of, of kind of withstanding the, the lack of rotation. So I was looking at the stats though, there are rotations, I suppose, in the two players that you would think probably most le- need it. So Luka Modric yesterday was his twenty-third start, and what are we in week thirty three, is it? So that's ten games that he hasn't started. And and Tony Cruz Tony Cruz yesterday has now made twenty-two starts, so they're in the same position. They've both been left out sort of eight, nine, ten times. Now in Cruz's case it's slightly different because he actually started the season injured, didn't he? He wasn't he wasn't actually available for the first I can't remember how many weeks it was. Uh, I would guess three or four, or something like that. But so there's been a little bit of rotation <clears throat> Excuse me, with those two. There's been very little with Casemiro, who who has started, I think, 28 of of the games so far this season. There's been very little, obviously, with the two central defenders. And I suppose there is that question mark of whether there's been a little bit of good fortune um, in that players haven't got injured at key moments. And Benzema, in particular, yesterday was the first time all season that Benzema's come on from the bench. All season. You know, there's been no sense of, right, well, we leave him out and bring him on if we need him, until yesterday.
0: Yeah, he did come on yesterday. I wasn't entirely sure that he absolutely needed to, but, but there we go. Came on and played his uh, the last 30 minutes. Luka Modric played the first 60 minutes. The context of this title-winning game is, of course, it comes in the middle of a Champions League semi-final. They've got the second leg against Manchester City. On Wednesday night, me personally, I would have had Benzema at home, bathing in warm milk, his head being massaged, people gently whispering sweet nothings to his ear, making sure that he's absolutely fine for Wednesday night. But what do I know? Came on, scored, and and, and, and he looked pretty good. But I just thought it was a risk, a risk. Yeah, I think there's an emotional component There's just, was component was just there. no need to take that risk. He falls over any kind of challenge, yeah. any kind of accident, and wow, it's just unnecessary. But like I said, what do I know?
1: Do you know? Do you know what Phil? I, I did the stats on this. Um, I, I'd, I'd read it somewhere. I must admit, I can't remember where I've read it. And I thought I don't trust that, so I went and looked it up. And uh, and and the, the good thing is that Espanol are the team in the league that commit the fewest fouls except for Real Madrid so if ever there was a game when you knew you weren't going to get kicked off the park and therefore you could risk it it was Espanol. you probably wouldn't have done this against Valencia
0: no that's absolutely true and to be fair I'm sure they would have those stats as well uh, to hand so so there we go Uh, we have to talk about Marcelo as well the captain of Real Madrid lifting the trophy with Karim Benzema it's his 24th trophy with Real Madrid he is now the Real Madrid player with the most number of trophies, overtaking club legend Paco Gento. It's his final season with Real Madrid. His contract comes to an end. He is not going to be renewed. And it was it was nice. It was sentimental to see him lifting that trophy, celebrating, because, all right, last couple of years ain't been great, but Marcelo has been an exceptional player for Real Madrid and for La Liga fans to watch as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and it, it is about physicality, isn't it? Because the last couple of years, the, the, the gaps in Marcelo's game have always been defensive. Um, but I always, I've always felt this, and I I argue this with myself. Obviously, it, it, <laughs> regular listeners will know I argue it very often with Danny Alvis, That in part, what you're doing with that kind of fallback is making a decision. And if your decision is that we run the risk of having this slight exposure at one end, because what he brings us at the other, or what he brings us all over the pitch, is is, is so much, um, is so very worth it. The other thing I would argue with, with this kind of player is that actually when those players are put in a position where they're essentially told you must defend, they can largely do it. The last couple of years, it's true, I think, that Marcelo physically hasn't just really hasn't been quite good enough. I think that's a, a natural progression with, with age, um, maybe about a shift in, in, in styles and the way that teams play possibly has a has a part to play. But he has been and and, you know, this is. The fact that I can make an outrageous statement and actually believe that it might be true tells you everything about Marcelo. He may well be the greatest left-back in the club's history. And this is a club that had Roberto Carlos. That's how good Marcelo has been. And, and I, I think it's, it's wise not to lose sight of that. His contribution, certainly in the middle of that run of three
0: Champions League successes, is, is gigantic. I think it's also wise for us to just underline the fact that the season isn't over for Real Madrid there is still the Champions League to to go for and there is a massive game on Wednesday night so it's worth us just talking about footballing matters as well now ahead of ahead of that game and 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 the game on on Saturday we saw rodrigo score two really really good goals he hadn't scored for for 6 months and then he's got four in april big goals as well against sevilla against chelsea two uh, against espanyol as well just wonder how important he could be on on Wednesday night. Or do we even think he's going to start on on Wednesday night?
1: I didn't think he would start in Manchester. Um, And we've talked about this, haven't we? About how it feels like in these games you need that extra midfielder. It feels like in these games you play your normal three plus Valverde. Now, obviously in Manchester it was different because Casemiro was, was missing. So you had to shift that midfield. And so you already had Valverde in there. And so you go, well, if we've already got Valverde in there, then we might as well have the extra forward. I personally... I think I would still have gone for a four. One of the reasons for this is is that Ancelotti's mindset in this is if you go to a team like Man City and you think, well, I'm going to try and defend, you're going to get beaten anyway. It's just going to happen slowly, but you're going to get beaten anyway. If you open up and you, you trade blows, yes, you might get beaten, but you will always find a way to, to, to make things happen. Now, obviously, it's easy to say that post-Manchester because that's exactly what happened. You say, whoa, you're right. And, it, 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 you know, that game could have gone any number of ways. And had City scored the third, who knows, maybe the whole thing collapses and City absolutely destroy Madrid. It's perfectly plausible. Um, but that's essentially why Ancelotti did it, because he felt, well, you open up and you go for them and you try and cause some problems. My feeling would be that Rodrigo probably doesn't play at the Bernabeu that they probably do play with the three midfielders plus Valverde taking care of the right hand side of the pitch whether it's up front in the middle and at the back Um, Rodrigo's a curious player and one I've been really struggling to place so over the last few years because when he's good I think he's amazing his touch is really good he's very smooth on the ball he's he's got very very nice finishing ability and you know we saw this in his first few of for a few games the club. That first goal he ever scored in the Champions League when he'd been on the pitch, what was it, 10 minutes or something? And that lovely first control and just sort of bends it into the corner really, really calmly. In a way, for example, that Vinicius didn't used to do. You know, genuinely, there was a point at which I looked at those two of the, the two young Brazilian signings and thought, Rodrigo's better because he's sort of technically better and calmer and his decision-making is better. But actually, there's, you know, Vinicius is miles ahead of him now. Um, and I think he's a nice player. Asensio is is the other option obviously on that right hand side and we've talked about this all season Asensio is one of these guys who you're not really sure he's playing particularly well but bang then he goes and scores and has scored 11 times this season across all competitions um, I think on Wednesday in the City game it will be Valverde that would be my guess
0: hmm. uh, you mentioned Marco Asensio 10 goals in the league it's his best ever Scoring season for for Real Madrid and getting into double figures is is, is pretty impressive in a in a season where we're, we're not entirely sure how how good he's been. But but there we go. Um, I don't necessarily. I was going to say I don't necessarily want to talk about this. It's our podcast. We can choose what we want to talk about, and we'll mention this briefly. It's a shame Gareth Bale wasn't at the celebrations on Saturday. It's a shame he didn't manage to get to the stadium to watch the game. He subsequently put out a tweet saying he had a bad Back spasm, couldn't make it. That's why he wasn't there. We'll have to take that as face value. He had a back spasm, couldn't make it to the stadium. We have defended Gareth Bale a lot over the years from some really, really unnecessary attacks on him. And it's understandable that he might not necessarily feel an affinity with this Real Madrid team now after what's happened after how the press have treated him, he probably should have been at the stadium yesterday, back spasm or not.
1: Yeah, one, one thing that I, I meant to mention the podcast a few weeks ago, and I didn't, and and this was reminded me of it. That game when he came on and got whistled a bit, and then there was a bit of applause because some fans were trying to say, well, look, he's playing for us, we might as well get behind him. The thing I'd noticed that, 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 that hadn't got picked up on, I mean, this may be a minor thing, but when he was warming up and when he uh, put his shirt on, he w- he was wearing a back brace you know one of those kind of belt things that that people wear so, so clearly there is an issue there you know this isn't this isn't a a, a convenient excuse even if it's or at least it's not only a convenient excuse um and, and I just thought I'd throw that in because I don't think it's been mentioned I don't think it's been noticed and, and, and I've noticed I you it, did thought, mention
0: it yeah did, you did I, I you did re- mention it yeah. sorry I
1: couldn't remember if I had or not uh, and yeah. I just thought that's that's you know it's quite interesting and and, and I'm sure that, that the physical side of it is significant but I don't think it is everything and I, I think there has been a sense f- from Gareth that he just isn't happy at the club isn't happy with um, the club at institutional level that he feels that right I'm, I'm you know this just isn't my club anymore um, and and has got that into his mind and that I think has, has kind of allowed him to be sort of so annoyed about that and so sort of everything's so broken that I think he now doesn't see that actually it would be good for him to play more games it doesn't see that it'd be good for him to feel more engaged and more involved and and I must admit yesterday when I was watching them celebrate and at first I wasn't sure because there was a lot of people on the pitch and I was trying to look for him and I just thought you know what more than anything else it's just so it's kind of sad, isn't it? Because however much, and you're right, it's entirely natural that Gareth doesn't feel like a participant in this league title race. It's maybe even natural that he feels distanced from this and he's leaving and he doesn't want to be part of it. But I just, I did think this just sort of isn't right. You know, there, there are players, there are players in that celebration who haven't played a minute this season. There are players in that celebration who've played two or three minutes over the course of the season. There are players who don't feel part of it. But... It, it, it just doesn't sit right, and and you're right. We've defended Gareth um, quite a lot because I think we we partly because we see it from his point of view, partly because there's an affinity, partly because we're aware that it's not quite as clear cut as it sometimes is, and and that sometimes some of the attacks on him are so furious that you feel like almost a duty to to play the other side, if you see it. not necessarily play the other side, but argue the other side. But you think, come on, it's not quite as as obvious as that. It's not quite as black and white as that. But it's very hard to do anything other than say,
0: well it's just
1: sort of it's
0: just kind of not right and it's just a shame it's just a that's shame it's that's what i mean it's, it's sad like isn't this. it exactly wonderful it, 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 it's it, just it, a real it, pity it, yeah it didn't need to be like this but but it has it's uh, it's ended for for gareth bell like this uh, it's ended for real madrid with them champions of spain for a 35th time they're miles ahead of barcelona in terms of the titles won. they'd only won three uh, titles since 2008. Now it's four, but it's two of the last three. Let's yeah. see if they begin to assert some domestic dominance like we saw Barcelona dominating over the last decade or so. It,
1: it's very significant, that, because I was looking at this yesterday and, and you know, there's def- there had very definitely been a shift towards Barcelona who won 10 this century um, and, and Real Madrid had won had won um, seven. It's now eight. But you look at that shift, exactly. You, Real Madrid went from 2003 well, basically from after 2008, which is that 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 Schuster season, they won it in 2012, 2017. Hardly any, but it's now 2022. 20, this is the best run they've had in 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 almost 20 years in terms of in terms of kind of a consistent run of of titles. Obviously, the Messi era is over, which I think will play a part into this. But there, I I think there is very definitely a shift back towards Real Madrid. Now, obviously, let's not go too far because. You know, you can look at this. It depends where you put the cutoff point. And in part, this is arbitrary. And I'm going to admit this is arbitrary. But until this season, since 2004, Atletico had won as many leagues as Real Madrid. 2014, rather. Now, obviously, that's entirely arbitrary because I've chosen to start it when Atletico win one. And we finish it just after they've won one. But it's still in in a in a seven year period, Atletico had won as many. And, and I, I think this does feel like it's a step back towards Real Madrid.
0: Let's see. Let's see what happens. Uh, the former champions were Atletico Madrid. Quick quick mention of them. Now, I know you might not necessarily have seen much of that game at, at San Mames because you were very busy last night with the uh, celebrations covering it for ESPN. I can tell you, Sid. <laughs> They were bloody awful again. And it felt like what has become a typical Atleti Madrid performance this season. They are, as we said, just four points above Real Betis. And it's possible, it's possible they do not finish in the top four, seeing what Betis and and Real Sociedad do uh, as well. And I say that because look at their run-in. They've got Real Madrid next. They've still got to play Sevilla. Their final game is away to Real Sociedad. They're in really poor form emotionally. They've lost each of their last three away games. Admittedly, one of those was in the Champions League at, at Manchester City. They've only scored in one of their last six competitive matches in all competitions. And they look like they could have played for 150 minutes yesterday and not scored against Athletic Club. It has not been a good season for Atletico Madrid. Their defence of the title has been one of the worst ever. They're currently 20 points behind Real Madrid. Let's see how that finishes. But yeah, it's been it's been really poor for, for Atletico Madrid. And now they have to absolutely focus on finishing in the top four. Because not getting Champions League football would be Catastrophic for Atletico Madrid, not least economically.
1: Oh, economically, it would be it would be very very significant. We talked before about how the if you like the the beginning of the good run, which is now obviously very much gone again. One of the things that happened was that there was a meeting with Simeone, Andrea Berta and Miguel Angel uh, Gilmarín, the the CEO of the club, and the players, in which the players were essentially told, listen, if we don't get in the Champions League, some of you aren't staying. <laughs> You know, we can't afford to pay you. You know these are these are contractual uh, obligations that that may not be able to be fulfilled. And there was a kind of a, a sense that of threatening the players with the seriousness of the situation was part of what got them going again. Um, now that's a slightly simplistic view of it, but that's certainly the way that a lot of people at the club felt. And and so what that does, of course, is it brings us back to the reality of, of this possibility. Now is really really damaging to them. And actually, if you look at those games, because you've mentioned it, they've got Russell at Sevilla. Um, uh, who was the other one again? Real Sociedad, Sevilla and oh and the Derby well the, the fourth game is Elche away now to be perfectly honest with you I don't see them beating Elche away either um, and so, so, <laughs> so, so right now I look at this and think hang on
0: is there even half a chance they don't get European football at all? No, I don't think there is a chance they don't get European football at all because seventh yeah but get. seventh is a conference
1: league I'm not even counting the conference league properly alright but they could well, end up in the
0: conference league you paint a rather drastic and dramatic picture there, Sydney, but hopefully for for them they, they managed to back their ideas up. And, uh, yeah, they've got Real Madrid next weekend, which is going to be interesting. A lot of polemic, as you can imagine, about who's going to do a Guard of Honour, whether there is going to be a Guard of well, Honour. I don't Honor. know
1: about you, but I just don't see the... the, the, the everyone builds the whole Guard of Honour thing into a big deal. Just stand there, clap them, and then play your game. No biggie. I, I just don't see why it's become <laughs> this absurd... Well, I do see why, but we know exactly why. But what well, I mean exactly. is, it's absurd. Why it. Yeah,
0: yes, a lot of things are absurd in this world, Sydney, and getting crazier as well. Uh, another thing that's absolutely crazy is that Oviedo are fifth it, it's in the Segunda. Um, I don't want to say it too loudly, but you know they really might make the playoffs. Let's see. Let's I mean,
1: see. I, I, I'm uh, absolutely not going to say it. <laughs>
0: but no don't say it don't say it but yeah but Oviedo our just objectively speaking that is a fact uh, this week we've got Villarreal against Liverpool and Real Madrid against Manchester City in the Champions League you're going to be at both of those Sydney? I am yes wonderful uh, what a wonderful week of European football we have to look forward to from a Spanish perspective who knows there might be an all Spanish final there won't be but there might be it's, it's possible but there probably won't <laughs> anyway uh, enjoy the football and thanks for bearing with us on this slightly earlier edition of the Spanish Football Podcast and knowing that we haven't spoken about Sunday's games sorry about that normal service will be resumed next week slight little asterisk we hope adios amigos come join us in patreon we'll be there over there for the rest of the week bye bye
1: cheerio